herself began uh, began when uh, I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I found a solution that I sometime and sometime did not seek. You know, uh, there, there's things that I found out about myself on this journey that how the big book says catapulted me into the fourth dimension of existence. And that is what this is about. Um, I am grateful, alcoholic man. Uh, I'm a dude that suffered tremendously, mind, body, and spirit, you know, before coming into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm that guy that will be talking about suicide ideations uh, a few times during my sharing because that centers in my mind that it was easier for me to drink and drug and to uh, contemplate the easiest, softer way for me to die. You know, there was pain, as I stated that uh, in my story, uh, there was misery. There was places that I end up at that normal people don't hang out in. You know, there was things that I did that normal people don't do. Drink was just a symptom of, of my disease. You know, and I didn't know any of the things until I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the co-finders of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm grateful for the people who have written these chapters in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous beyond 164 pages. It allows me to uh, find out more about this disease, you know. And so as I uh, speak this morning, I'm a guy that was born out in New Jersey. You know, I am um, was raised part of my life down in the Carolinas, um, you know, born back in the uh, the late 50s. Uh, and so we we went to live by our grandparents down in the Carolinas and they lived on a farm and, you know, and things like that. And so I know a little bit about farming. I know a little bit about, you know, working with others prior to coming into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I know what it is to get up early in the morning to do chores. I know what it is to get up early in the morning to go to school. So I know what it is to get up early in the morning to come to big um, big book studies, to come to um, things of that nature that pertains to me getting better. And so, you know, living in the Carolinas, there was a little uh, a group of people, you know, that lived um, on the farms close by and we would gather each morning or each day during the summer hours and you would do your crops. Uh, we lived on a farm that was it was called sharecroppers. I call it modern day slavery. Right. Um, and because you never got an equal uh, share of your crop. None of those things. None of those things caused me to become an alcoholic. None of those things. Right. I was raised by my grandparents, as I stated, and uh, I got beat a lot with switches. That is a tree limb, you know, for you New Yorkers and people around the world that don't know about those things. I got beat with extension cords. I got beat with things that was very painful, but it did not stop me from my behaviors. It did not stop me to believe that if I uh was a nice boy, a nice kid, that if I did what I was told to do basically all the time, that I would not get those beatings, right? And so I learned these things because the, the fellowship in the synonymous is so powerful. It is so powerful uh, after being here and listening to other members talk about themselves. And the book tells me if I talk about myself, and be honest 
with myself so I can be honest with others. We will watch miraculous things happen to individuals, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing things up because the past do not harm me today. And let me say that again. The past do not harm me today. You know, and here's this kid that was being punished, right, because of someone else, because of the way that someone else thought, right? And so not only just because of what I was doing, right, but that's the way that they chose to react to what I was doing. And what happened was uh, as I was coming up in school, I was pretty good and I'm very intelligent. You know, most alcoholics are. How is that? Because I found ways and means to get more. I found ways and means to practice what was taught in school. So anyway, as I, you know, I came up through high school, um, I always enjoyed laughing. That is a gift that the God of my understanding give me. I love to laugh. I love to make other people happy. I hate to see other people sad. And I would say that again. I hate to see other people sad. I live in a world that I have basically no control over. And there's a lot of things that goes on that I'm powerless over. So coming up from out of high school, I graduated from high school. I was very intoxicated. I was very drunk, right? The night that I graduated from high school, received my diploma, uh, went to party and had to go into the military the next morning to serve my country, right? And when I arrived on the Air Force base down in Lackland, Texas, um, I was greeted by um, your mother, father, sister, and brother, and whatever I said goes. And that was said in a very loud voice. And so I never liked anyone to yell at me, even during those beatings, right? Just whoop my butt, right? And, 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 and stop yelling. And so these guys and these sergeants and master sergeants and whatever will be yelling at you doing drills and things like that. And uh, I like that, you know, the behaviors of other people, right? And so as I stayed in the military for a short period of time, um, I learned a little bit more. I met people who was doing the things that I was growing to do, right? I was growing to do because... I was not a full-blown alcoholic as of yet. You know, I drank for the effect. I drank because it allowed me to get outside of self. It allowed me to have some self-esteem that I knew nothing about. Some of these wordings that I'm using today is that I was not around people. I didn't grow up around people who use words such as low self-esteem and being sober and alcoholics anonymous and any of those type of things. You know, I was just told that you know, go over there and lay down, you know, and to the next time. And all these things was going on in my life. And um, so as life grew on, uh, grew on uh, what happened was um, I got out of the military. I moved up north, uh, up north here in uh, uh, state New York. And uh, I met new people. I began to do new things. You know, during this time, this latter part of the, the earlier part of the 80s, and I began to do new things with these people. And I gravitated to uh, that magnet called alcohol. I gravitated to it because I drank cheap wine. And matter of fact, still to this day, I have not did research on it, but I drank wine called like Wild Iris Rose, Thunderbird, you know, and things of that nature, you know, and I drank those type of wines. And 
I had money, right? And so when the disease of alcoholism talks about the thinking, right? I would not drink the expensive wine. I drank cheap wine. You know, I hung around people like that. I worked. I always worked. Oh, God, from childhood, I always worked. You know, I had no problem working. Uh, I had no problem finding a job. But what happened was that alcohol became my master. Did not know that. Didn't know that uh, when alcohol called, right, I had to have a drink. And I did some crazy things, you know, pertaining to alcohol. And, and, and so I, I have drugs in my story, but I respect Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, um, because without Alcoholics Anonymous, I would not even um, been able to talk about anything else. So it's very important to me to talk about alcohol, um, alcohol. And so anyway, so I gravitated to those people. I, I would find myself waking up right on someone's doorstep, someone's porch, someone's living room, someone's floor you know, in places that was, uh, wasn't no normal. And I was doing things, man. I was doing things that normal people don't do. And I could see why the disease is called alcoholism. Uh, yes, Jane, you had your hand up. Okay, then uh, I could see why the disease is called alcoholism because I was doing these things. And sometimes I was so powerless over doing it because I needed that next drink. Right. I needed that next drink. I needed that next drink to go to work. I needed that next drink at lunch hour. I needed that next that next drink at the end of the day. Once again, alcohol was con controlling me. And I would go to work and I would get that money and I would do things with that money. And because I needed that money again the next day. Right. And so as time moved on. I got really, really involved in drugs, right? Really in, involved in drugs. And I'm not going to go into it, but I got involved in it. And uh, while wow, it was life and death, it was life and death, you know, what I was involved in, the people that I was hanging out with, you know, uh, I remember one night at approximately one or two o'clock in the morning, the bar was closing and I laid on the middle line, the yellow line in the middle of the street. I did some real insane things. I didn't know I was insane. I really did not know this. I was not practicing and, uh, and around people who talked about same behavior, right? And I had opportunities to eat at some of the, the, the finest restaurants, went to some of the finest places, had opportunities to wear some of the quote unquote finest wears. You know, I had all these things. The book talks about money, property, and prestige do not divert me from my primary purpose. I did not know these things prior to 1989 and beyond that all this stuff was centered in my mind if I would do it differently, right? And at times that I thought that if I did not drink in on someone's job by hiding my wine or my liquor, and my, you know, whatever way I did, you know, uh, that I wouldn't get fired from a job. And during those times, you know, you can get fired from a job and go tomorrow and go work for someone else. You know, all these things was happening, right? And so now, uh, got involved, like I said, in that situation, and uh, things began to really take a hold of my life. Things really began to be bonkered. 
things really uh, began to happen where I really wanted to die. And so I came to live with my mom here in Jersey. I came back to Jersey where I was born and uh, I stayed with her. And um, once again, people, places and things. And I began to work for this organization that was very involved and maybe still be involved in, you know, criminal activities. Uh, I did not work directly with them involved in the criminal activities, I guess, happened to work for their organization. And uh, um, I had to have that money. I, have to ha I had to have that first Drake. I had to have that first Drake to get started with the next day to go to work. And um, getting involved in that, I would borrow money you know, with my, with great, great, great interest on it, right? And I needed that money. So anyway, I, I came to New York City, right? I found the bright lights of New York City. And I love what was happening down in the bright lights of New York City in the Times Square area and things like that. Uh, in my inventory, I found out why I liked bright lights and the things that was going on in the Times Square area. Because of my low self-esteem and because of my past behaviors, I gravitated to those people also. Uh, this is not something that I talk about all the time, especially in an open forum. You know, the things that I did to get the next one, the people that I was with to get the next one. Alcohol is a monster, right? And what alcohol will cause an individual to do to sell their soul Right. I learned these things. And, and as time comes to an end, before I come into the rooms, Alcoholics Anonymous, because I'm, I'm going to get to there is a solution. I'm going to get to that. You know, I have yet had arrived there prior to coming in. But I'm talking about the, the seedy places that I was in because the book talks about that. Right. These seedy things that I was doing. Uh, sometimes it's amazed me when I get that quiet time to look back over my past. And once again, as I stated earlier, does not allow me to be haunted by my past because there's nothing I can do about it, right? But talk to others about what happens when you pick up that first drink, right? And and so as time moved on, I, I was living with my mom's man and I would come back and forth and it, those days would turn into nights and those nights into days and I would be up and I would be around those people down in basements and abandoned buildings. I would be in those type of places. It was not pretty. I'm a real alcoholic. I did real things. I had real pain. I did a lot of suffering because of alcohol, right? And as I came, uh, being rescued, because now I'm going to get into the program part of the, uh, trying to find my phone. Um, what's that, 27? Uh, as I get into the program part of, uh, of recovery, right, um, things was looking, looking real bleak. And how I end up down here was because I owe the people a lot of money from, uh, you know, illegal activities. Um, and um, so uh, I came and one night um, I end up uptown in New York City, a place called Harlem. 
I end up there. And let me say, I played a lot of basketball in my life, a lot of basketball. I always thought that I was one of the best basketball players in my in the, in the world. The delusion of the mind. <laughs> yeah, the delusion, right? And I played a lot of basketball while I was drinking, but I played on some teams. But anyway, so uh, as it was coming to an end, right, that particular night between 12 and 6 a.m. on July 13th, 1989, because I'm going to bring it to a close because I want to talk about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because that is what this particular meeting centers on, the solution seekers. It centers on the 164 pages of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it is so much food for a person like myself at seven o'clock in the morning to have breakfast with others, to dine with others, to find out what is needed for one more day. You know, and so um, that's what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about how I arrived in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, how I was positioned to be in position at that moment, at that opportune, opportune time to be positioned on 125th Street out of all the places that I had traveled in my life, out of all the places that I had traveled and doing some of the basic same things that I was doing in other towns and other states. Right. But I was positioned. And so this power that was greater than myself that, you you know, the book tells us that we must find now. Right. I was I was talking to that God. I was talking to that power greater than myself, that power greater than myself. I unbeknown to me was doing for me what I could not do for myself. Right. All during those times. Right. But it allowed me the same way that alcoholics anonymous allow you to come get what you need pass it on to someone else, right? And so being there that night and I was at that jumping off place that they talk about, I didn't know this stuff, man. I did not know I wanted to die. The pain was more powerful than me. I wanted to die. I did not want to put a gun to my head and blow my brains out. I did not want to jump in front of these trains here in New York. I did not want any of those things to happen. I wanted that easier, softer way out. I took medication. I took pills. I took pills because I thought I was in love with someone. I wanted to die, right? And so that, that, that morning I was rescued to be able to go to a sober up station. Never heard of it. Never heard of a sober up station. And they took me there and I eventually went to another uh, establishment, you know, and I heard them, these people talk about alcohol synonymous. And they say, welcome. You're in the right place. Right. And they said, let's get a cup of coffee, you know, get some cookies because I was shaking very bad. I was shaking real bad. And they said, welcome. And they began to talk about themselves. Right. And they began to talk about how they had changed because they had stopped drinking. And they began to talk about something that was very simple. Let's do this a day at a time. Can you stay away from one drink one day at a time? And they did things like talked about if you can do that, try to make a meeting today. And try to make 90 meetings in 90 days. And found out what the, the uh, program of Alcoholics Anonymous is about. They talked about getting a sponsor. That flashes across our stream a lot, right? And there's pamphlets on sponsorship, 
question and answers on sponsorship. So there's, they, they talk about these things, the basic essentials of Alcoholics Anonymous. To, at, at that time, we had what we call the ashtrays, brooms, and chairs, the ABCs of Alcoholics Anonymous. You come in early. You stay late, right? Because I had nothing else to do. Oh, and let me tell you that I forgot to tell you that I was homeless many times in my life, many times. And I was homeless not because I had, did not have a place to go. Tell, and it talks about the alcoholism centers in my mind. That's where it centers. It stays there until something is done about it. Until I have this thing that you talk about, a psychic change that must occur in my head. Right. And, and my behaviors that was happening. So anyway, so they talked about those things and I began to be blessed to live in a city. At that particular time before COVID, probably had uh, meetings approximately 23 hours a day and night. And I was able to go to a meeting at any time. And people still see in me. Uh, in my low self-esteem times, still seeing me what I do not see in myself sometimes. And I was asked to chaperone these people. I was blessed, blessed to be able to go to the first and only veteran shelter in the world at that time. And uh, Alcoholics Anonymous came in and they brought the message of hope. And I was able to go to this place called St. Mark's, which is located down in the village of uh, New York City. And I was able to go there and they had meetings all the time. There was actors and actresses and, you know, other people of interest that was there. And um, that's where I hung out at, you know, and people would come in and they would share their experience, their strength and their hope. And I began to sit up front. I began to listen as only the dying could. Something was going on in the way that I began to think, right? And I began to want what you have was talking about. I began to come and talk to you and ask you, how did you do it? And what was so amazing was even at that time, people had 15 and 20 years. The program Alcoholics Anonymous only began in 1939, right? But even during that time, these people uh, had some time and they talked about how they stayed away from that drink, right? And so I would come and I will get involved. I would come early and do those things that, that they suggested. I would uh, come in and... Uh, open, help set up the meeting and stuff like that. So now let's get into the program. Let's get into the uh, what the big book talks about, right? So after doing those things and listening to these people talk about themselves and talk about the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which consists of 12 steps, 12 traditions, and 12 concepts, and they begin to talk about these principles and these life-changing principles, right? And they begin to talk about how this guy, Dr. Silkworth, you know, whose first chapter of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and was talking about that. I have a disease of an allergy, right? And he began to talk about that. And he wrote this little letter. He wrote this letter and talked about this, this uh, disease, right? And it tells me that um, the plan of recovery is in those 164 places, Right, the plan of recovery because he talked about not just him, but he talked about how the first 100 people have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. Hopeless state of mind and body, right? And so he he began to talk with uh, our co-founder Bill W. and began to talk about what was going on and how um, 
how the disease centered. I guess I want to read something because I'm a reference a few things in the big book. Right. And it, it, in, the, in his story, he says, in the course of their third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible mean of recovery. And he talks about a part of his rehabilitation. He commenced to present his concept to other alcoholics, oppressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapid growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered, you know. And so this is what was going on. And what Dr. Self was talking about it, you know, and when he wrote that letter in 1934, Alcoholics Anonymous had not began yet. Right. And what it, uh, I learned in coming to this meeting, uh, this particular uh, offering group was going on. There was the Washingtonians that was going on that presented to us. Um, the absolutes and they presented to us, you know, uh, principles that was saying that I'm powerless over alcohol. My life has become unmanageable. Right. And they talked about the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. And which was not uh, present at that time. And so a lot of the things that we and they was talking about in that uh, the beginning of this book was presented to us by going to other at one was religious practice. And so they learned about this concepts of God. So anyway, as um, the first 64, he also said that in this statement, he confirmed what we who have suffered, right? I talked about the suffering. I talked about the suffering earlier in my, in my statement. He talked about the suffering. He said that physician who as our request had given us this letter and have been kind enough to enlarge upon his view and another statement which followed. And in this statement, right, this is in the doctor's opinion, he stated, he confirmed what we who have suffered alcohol torture, talker, torture, that must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite abnormal as his or her mind, abnormal, right? And then he goes on to hit us with some real painful stuff. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life. <laughs> wow, look at that. I mean, you know, he, he, he's giving it to us in the first chapter, learn to listen and listen to learn is what he's talking about. That we was in full flight from reality, <laughs> right? And he gets hitting us with all this good stuff, man, that, wow, this is what you people talk about in your story? Because that's what happened when another alcoholic talks to another alcoholic. He or she confines that this is how I stay sober a day at a time. And he went on to say, we was outright mental defected. <laughs> Four powerful things in that little paragraph that made someone like myself sit up in my chair and say, oh, that's me. But I had to be guided by a suggested person as a sponsor or someone to speak to whether I was going to church at that time, but I had to talk about how painful these things was in my life. 
And then he says, this things was true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened, right? And so I look at those things. Um, there's so much that's in Bill's story and how, you know, um, this whole thing began, how it all began in that hotel lobby, right? And in the gay crowd, right? And the gay crowd was the laughter that and the chatter that was going on, excuse me, the laughter and the chatter that was going on, right? And he said, maybe I should find me some companion. But a power greater in himself that the book calls God presented themselves to him at that moment, almost like presented themselves to me on 125th Street. Something happened. And something happened that allowed me to join you this morning because he made a phone call. I knocked on the door. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous asks me to identify, not to compare. He made a phone call. I knocked on the door. And the journey began for me. But he began to know that he had to talk to someone else. And so when he knew that he had to talk to someone else, there's a lot of things that happened. There was a lot of conversations. He met Abby, his childhood friend. He met others. And they began to meet at each other's homes and they began to talk about themselves. And it was cold in the winter here in Brooklyn, New York, right? And he would travel out to Akron, Ohio. And it's just a whole lot that's in these pages, right? And I'm gonna move on because uh, in his story, he talks about, Abby was telling him that he was sober, right? And was telling him that he was just sober. This is a prominent businessman that, you know, had lost it all, you know, and alcohol was his master, right? And someone else was talking about it. And so as he kept uh, living, he said something. It says that on page 11, but my friend sat beside before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. So I want to move on to what Bill talks about, that there is a solution in chapter two about Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Because this is what was happening when those two and others came together. They began to practice a solution. They have found a new way of life and they began to talk about it. And in, in the bottom, it says that the feeling of have sharing in a common peril is one element and the powerful cement what binds us together. So now what was happening was a fellowship, a, a fellowship was beginning to form, right? And they began to call this Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't have all my notes together, but it was not called that. They, Bill wanted to call it something else, right? And so uh, they formed this fellowship called Alcoholics Anonymous and they began to gather at their homes and other places. Um, so it says that the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution 
we have a way out in which we can absolutely agree upon, which can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book contains. So now they're writing a book. They're writing a book, right? And they're talking about the solution in Alcoholics Anonymous. So um, as we, we talk, it says that there is an illness that is happening of the sort, and we have come to believe it is an illness involving those about us in a way no human sickness can. If a person have cancer, all is sorry for him or her, and no one is angry, right? But that's not so with the alcoholic <laughs> because we had done so much devastating stuff to not only ourselves, but those around us or upon us. Whether it was the long distance telephone call and said, I need this, the lies that I told when I made that phone call, the lies that I told when I went to my employer, right? All these things was happening in my life and I needed help. And so he says that, but for us ex-problem drinkers, right? That would be me, who found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself and can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished, right? And that is, you know, leading me to a power grade in myself. Right. And they tell he talks about in the big book about the real alcoholic. He may start off or she may start off as a moderate drinker. He uh, or may not become a, con a constant hard drinker. But at some stage of their drinking career, they begin to lose all control of liquor consumption once he or she starts. And this is what was happening. This is what was happening prior to coming into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I did not want to drink all the time. I did not want to drink all the time, man. I wanted to have freedom, right? I wanted to find a solution that would stop me from drinking and I would attend church. I would uh, practice other religious uh, uh, experiences. I began to do those and those things did not stop me from picking up that drink. Talks about the psychic change that must occur in an alcoholic's mind, right? A psychic change. And during that psychic change, there's a spiritual awakening must occur, right? And so I had to learn all these things in these books. I had to come to these big book studies. I had to learn what was written in these pages and how I can identify, right? It says on page 23, the experience of any alcoholic would abruptly confirm this, that the observance would be academic and pointless if our friend never took that first drink. He went on to say, therefore setting up the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in their mind rather than in their body. Right? And he says all these things. And there's so much highlighting that is in my book. But let me not forget that my sponsor is here. And, and I must tell you that my sponsor is a person who have helped guided me and help others 
to recover from the hopeless disease of mind, body, and spirit in the Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Doesn't require me to do much, but to stay sober and work with another alcoholic and to use the tools that she passed on to me. Our sponsors, uh, like I said in the, uh, the, the uh, chat, you know, that keeps flashing, talks about sponsorship, working well with others, right? And they begin to sponsor each other when they were sitting across the bed or sitting on the bed and going to others' home and they began sponsorship. And these things was happening because I can't do this by myself. Uh, I got five minutes. And so, wow, there's so much, right? Because after the solution, it talks about more about alcoholism. Right in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a book. If you're new to Alcoholics Anonymous, please do not be afraid. We who have suffered from the disease of alcoholism is here to help each other. How great it is to be blessed to have someone create Zoom during a time when many lost their lives to the disease. They lost their lives because they had no place to go. Those who don't, in those isolated, isolated towns that as you look back over the years, me being 65 years old in some of these towns that did not even have electricity, <laughs> you know, believe it or not, uh, I live in those times where some people didn't have electricity. Some people didn't have running water, right? And they would make a meeting, one meeting, maybe not every day, they would gather by horse and buggy, by trolley or whatever, because they wanted the pain to stop. They wanted the pain to stop. And it says, by any means necessary, what am I willing to do to stay sober? What am I willing to do to get sober? Until my intermost self, am I willing to admit that I'm a real alcoholic, that I'm an alcoholic assault? Right. And so I, I I must do this. I must continue to carry this message. I want to say that I jumped out. of Well, no, let me not rephrase that. I called an Uber last night because I had to speak somewhere out here in, in Queens, New York. And the Uber did not come in time. The meeting started at seven o'clock, which they supposed to. Uber gets me there around by seven twelve. We had the light. I know where I have to go. I say I get out here. The car was not moving. <laughs> I was not, the car wasn't moving, right? And I jumped out. And so as I'm running across this busy street, a city bus is coming, the phone falls out my pocket. So I stops and I get the phone and the gentleman is standing at the door and says, oh, you can't, you just got to go straight up and announce yourself. And someone says, the speaker is here, right? And I came and I paused, said the serenity prayer and people identified they identified and this is what this is about for me man sharing my experience strength and hope i am not special i am not special i just been one of those persons that was pulled up out of that mouth and myrrh you know from that hopeless state of mind and body i was pulled up out of that a day at a time i did not know <laughs> trust me stay for a little while longer make one more meeting Make one more meeting and watch how a power grade in yourself would change the way that everything goes on in your life. And so as I kept coming, some almost 35 years later, 
here's a guy that was rescued by being in position. So if you're on this Zoom call this morning, you're in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you are in the right position. You are the right position. One of the greatest decisions that one can make is help others to help save their life. There was a power greater than us that is called God. And the book says, may you find him now. Half measures avail us nothing. We stood at the turning point, asking his protection and care. So thank you so much, Solution Seekers, for having me to come out and speak this morning. I am a grateful alcoholic that have not found it necessary to drink. But to be able to carry a life-saving truth about myself that will help someone else. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. Wonderful, wonderful lead. I'm looking to um, stop the recording. Can you stop that for me, please, Tricia? Thank you.